Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. Tonight's show will be very interesting and appropriate for this time of the year. The first thing we're going to be discussing in Mitzvah Hashem will be the Simonim for Rosh Hashanah. And then we're going to discuss the, uh, the, the recall for, for Empire Chickens, the problem that they're having. And then hopefully we'll get into a few more topics. The next one after that would be um, some of the kosher alerts. Uh, they got some very interesting kosher alerts. As I always like to say, uh, kashrus is stranger than fiction. The world of kashrus is stranger than fiction. Unbelievable things happening. I'm going to show it to you, and you'll, you, you, it's amazing. You can't believe how these things happen. Uh, then we hope to be discussing a little bit about the home kit industry. And then, if we have time for all this, I don't know, then maybe we'll get into some topics about the, uh, about the summer, but I don't think it's the end of the summer. Whatever. Let's see if we get that far. But before we do anything, we have to mention that this Motzei Shabbos, before, before Slichos, I mean, this far, I'm saying Slichos already, before we say Slichos, the Ashkenazim, uh, the Motzei Shabbos, they're having a hodor, uh, leil hodor, that J-Root is running, uh, appreciation to our Kaddish Baruch Hu, which is, of course, an appropriate thing at this time. And it's starting at 10 p.m. in the Koyal Yaakov, 1703 McDonald Avenue. And uh, it's going to include uh, some very interesting people, Rabbi Fischl Schachter, Dr. Mordechai Weinberger, uh, Simcha Kohn, Dr. Rabbi Dr. Simcha Kohn, and there are six chazanim in Hashem that will be there, plus a number of other rabbanim, and uh, it's a great opportunity for you to hear these people, to meet these people, and to join and to thank HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu and to thank J-Root for all the wonderful work that they're doing. So this is an opportunity to show your appreciation and uh, come on out, and uh, if you can, it's uh, at 10 o'clock. I don't know exactly when it's going to finish, but it's going to be, you know, after 12 it's going to finish. It's starting 10 p.m. It will finish after 2 o'clock. After 2 o'clock yeah. in the morning. Yeah. So <laughs> you just better get a little sleep on Shabbat. On Shabbos afternoon, get a couple hours sleep, and then plan to join uh, J-Root for the Leil Hodor at uh, Koli Yaakov, 1703 McDonald Avenue, if you have any questions or you want to communicate with us, you can do that by texting 347-927-8398. And it's a wonderful evening, and we need your support in coming down and helping J-Root and showing your appreciation to Kaddish Baruch Hu and to J-Root for the wonderful programming that J-Root provides. Now, the reason I chose to do tonight this about the uh, about the, uh, the the simonim at Rosh Hashanah, you know how to check them, etc., is because for a few reasons. One is I just got it today or yesterday. I don't know which day, but I just just got the, uh, the, the this uh, piece from uh, Rabbi Vaya, Rabbi Moshe Vaya in Eretz Israel, and it's translated to English, so I was able to read it fluently. <laughs> the Hebrew, I had to struggle a little bit. He has a Hebrew version and an English version. I chose the English version. But uh, there's a, uh, a, a, a wonderful amount of information here. It's based on his Sefer, Badikas Hamazon, which you could always refer to. I, the only thing that I want to say is that 
when you look in Bedikas Hamazon, some things apply to Israel, some things apply to uh, America, some things apply to Europe. And he, and he marks it with certain signs of his uh, of colors. So you can, you can tell right away where the thing applies, if it applies to everywhere or only some places. This is an English translation of something he gave out. I cannot guarantee that it's exactly for America. I assume it is, because that's why we're ending up getting it. It's in English, but, uh, I, but I just cannot tell you that it's, that it's specifically geared to America. And uh, it's, it's always good when you have something like this, especially since he says it's based on the safer, and it's so simple to go into that book and to look and to find out whether it applies exactly as is or with some variation. But I'm going to read this to you, and the, one of the reasons I'm doing it th this week as opposed to next week is because people may decide, I'm not going to buy this food, or I am going to buy this food. I hadn't realized that it takes a little extra effort. And also, the third reason I'm doing it this week is because I, I want to offer that anybody who wants to can get this from me, this little sheet. And uh, all you have to do is email us at kashrus at aol.com, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at aol.com, kashrus at aol.com, and just say Rosh Hashanah. And don't, have, don't worry about how to spell it. I'll get the idea. And then we'll send it out to you so you'll be able to have it and refer to it. But I do recommend looking in the book, if you have Bedekas Amazon, to see exactly what where America fits in the picture. Now, I'm going to go through all of them, and some of them, you know, may be a little hard for you to over the telephone to remember it. That's why I really suggest you, you get it from me or get it from him directly. The dried dates. Okay, everybody knows about dates. The fresh dates, let's start backwards. Fresh dates... The large dates with a smooth peel, dark brown in color, and they keep them in storage. They're basically clean. You don't have to be checked at all. That's the fresh dates. But the dried dates, so that's a very different Pasha. So here's what you have to do with the dried dates. And listen to it carefully because you'll see that some things are an issue and the others are not an issue. A lot of people don't know they're so nervous that they don't understand when we say something is except is, a, is kosher, as is. So you have to listen to the words I'm telling you now. The dry dates, since slice the date lengthwise. Okay. Open it. You take out the pit. Obviously, it doesn't have the pit. You don't have to go. You can skip that step. If you see small, dark crumbs in the area of the pit, did not use the date forget about the whole date because that's droppings from insects it'll be dark, small dark crumbs but if you see in the dates small white clusters of crystallized sugar that's what it looks like that's fine there, there, there's, there's nothing wrong with that and, and all dates sort of get that way crystallized after a while uh, so then when you take the date, you should open the date and hold it up to a light. Now, they tell you you can use a window is enough during the daytime or a light bulb. Just you need this extra light on it because that extra light on it shows through the, the date itself. 
and if there's anything in the date, not inside where the pit is, but anything in the flesh of the date, you'll be able to see it in one second. You don't have to take 10 minutes. Each date should take no longer than one second. And also, uh, if you don't have the, if they've pitted already, so you're stipping that step. And, and my experience is that, you know, you, it, it takes just a second or two to check a date. It's not, it's not a big deal. And you'll get used to it, no problem at all. Then we go on to the pomegranates. Now, the pomegranates, I've never seen anything. I don't know anything about it, and that's why I wonder if we even have something. But this is what he tells us. Examine the outside to see if there's a small hole in the peel, which would be a sign that a caterpillar entered. Cut open the fruit. If you see an area that's turned brown, remove that area. Well, we would remove it anyway, but you should understand that it means probably that a, an insect got inside, and that's where it was hanging around. Dark stains on the seeds are not a sign of infect, uh, infestation, no problem. Pomegranates grown in private gardens tend to have a high level of infestation. So the only thing to really worry about is a caterpillar crawling in. You just see some kind of sign that they entered, or these brown area, and suddenly it turned brown, and, the, and when, you open it up, when you cut it open, you see there's a burn brown, cut it away. Apples. Now, everybody has apples. Dip the apple in the honey, right? They have to be. High-quality apples have a chazaka of being clean. Medium-quality apples should be examined on the outside for any sign that a worm may have entered. As I said here many times, when we grew up, I remember people from Europe cutting open the apple, and they wouldn't eat it whole, they wouldn't bite into it, right, the apple itself, but instead they would cut a slice, and uh, I saw by some of the Rebbe's, what they did is that they took a, a thing, they sliced it, a slicer, a special slicer, and then they, they, they ate the slices of apples, they didn't, they didn't eat it, because this way they could see inside the apple and see if there's any insects got in, you see any browning over there, is a sign that something went through. I don't think we see this at all. Of course, if you have a bruise on the apple and it looks brownish and it looks like it's turning, of course, that, that may be something I didn't over there. But it's, it's not common, and people don't eat that anyway. They cut it away. So in reality, it's not such a very hard problem. But yes, apples that if you have an apple tree in the backyard, the apples that hang around and fall down and they hang around the, under the tree, they're going to get worms. No question about it. Guarantee you, there are going to be worms in those apples. And uh, definitely, if, you, if fall, apples fall down from a tree, you pick them up right away, okay, fine. But if you stay there a day or two, you may very well have worms in it. So, yes, apples depends upon the quality. But we're buying basically high quality. It's very, very hard to find anything in the apple there. Now he tells you like this, medium quality apples should be examined on the outside for any worm that may have entered, like a brown or grayish colored bruise sunk in, in the, the peel or an unusual discoloration or spots on the peel that, you know, I don't mean a little black spot, it means something that yeah, looks like it maybe was raised up 
um, or something that looks like maybe something got in. One should remove that the peel in that area to examine the flesh of the apple in the area. So in other words, go, go down past the skin and see if something is happening in the apple itself. On rare occasions, and especially in Anna apples, I don't know what Anna apples are, but maybe you've seen them. In Hebrew, it's spelled ayin nun hey. Uh, it is possible to find brownish-gray scales on the peel. Now, these brownish-gray scales, uh, it's not just a, a scale-like thing. The, under the scale is an insect, which causes a reddish stain on the peel. One should remove the scale by scraping with the fingernail or with a knife. One may eat the, red, one may eat the reddish stain that remains, but you have to remove the actual scale, if there was a scale on there. Then he talks about gourd. Many of us use a gourd. In Hebrew, it's called kara. Uh, it, it's normally clean, and there's nothing to worry about with the gourds. Now, fresh ruby, the black-eyed piece. So there's fresh and there's dried. Fresh seems a lot easier than the dried ones. So if you can get fresh black-eyed peas, you're better off. Here's what you have to do. One should open the pod and check for holes, dark crumbs, droppings, or signs that worms have penetrated the beans. Infested pods should be removed. Okay, but that's the whole thing with the fresh. You just look, and it's the visual. It takes a second. You know, there's any dark crumbs there or droppings or there are holes. You'll see in a second. Now, the dried rubia, the black-eyed peas, the dried ones, now you're going to have to cook them up. So here's what happens. If you're boiling them, the rubia must be boiled in a quantity of water that's three times its size. If they're coming to a boil, turn off the flame, cover the pot, and allow it to sit for three hours. I hope you have some knitting to do or something else. Three hours is supposed to wait. The beans swell and the peel becomes translucent. And then you'll see if there's any bugs there. If, uh, how, how do you check them? Spread out 10 to 15 beans on the palm of one hand and check for holes or dark colored stains which indicates that there may be an insect underneath the peel. Then place the other palm on top of the beans and turn them over on the other side, on the other hand, in order to check the other side of the beans. If there's a dark, dark spot on the peel, remove the thin skin and check if there was a cavity with a bug in it. In the center of the bean is a black spot, which is not a sign of infestation. Similarly, orange-colored stains on the surface are also not a sign of infestation. If one finds three beans that are def definitely infested, you find an, an insect that was under the dark-colored spot on the skin, then you have to open all the beans and check inside. If a large number are found to be infested, it's preferable not to eat